Hey guys, before we get into this episode, we just want to give a big shout out to our new patron, Nikki Treadway. Thanks for supporting us. Uh, but yeah, we have lots of special guests for season four going over some very interesting topics as we start the New Testament. We're also getting out of the Old Testament. I can't believe it. I can't believe it Good. either. It's about time we got unhitched from the Old Testament. That's right. It only took two years. You're talking about Andy Stanley? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Go there. <sighs> All right, cool. So anyway, let's uh, finish out the Bible. Well, the Jewish Bible. Yeah, let's finish out the, the Torah. <laughs> but uh, huh. before... We've been finished with the Torah. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. I, yeah, I was going to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But the Jewish Bible, don't they just have the Torah? Torah is no. the same thing as the Pentateuch. They have the whole Old Testament. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not Jewish, so... Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, anyway, if you have been a long-time listener, you know how we start the show? It is with fake news or real news, but I have a special one today because today is going to be our final show of season three so we're going to start the show with two of them if that's okay with ryan right ray bro i'm not the boss you're the freaking boss you're not the boss of me now where's that from i you're not the boss suppose of me it's now a song you're not so big <laughs> sorry my dog is attacking mark <laughs> i guess i should stop petting him barkley get down all right, so tell us about your uh, breaking okay. news on Bible Dingers News Network. <laughs> Just go right yeah, yeah. You guys know how we start the show. I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark, and we are Bible Dingers. And I got a special one for you today. I got a special one for you. Are you ready? Yep. If this is the first time you're listening to us, we're happy you're here. We start every episode with fake news or real news where I come up with a headline. And Ryan and Mark have to figure out whether it's fake or real. After that, we dive into the topic. And today we have a really big episode. We're talking about Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. But before we get into that, this is going to be incredible. You guys ready? It's going to be inside of Credible. <laughs> it's going to be within the Credible sphere, Got Nicholas. It. All right. <laughs> so you know how uh, like celebrity pastors start marketing and selling things? Mm. How so? Like um, Carl the, Lance sells his abs? I never heard of Those that. Those abs sell Whoa. themselves. It's because he... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. You have a pastor going shirtless. Yeah, no, no, but I mean, I don't know of any, but I know most celebrity pastors sell books oh, and yeah. stuff like that. John Do you know of any other things that people sell? Maybe t-shirts, right? Mm-hmm. So this fake news or real news, it's super funny. So Joel Osteen has... Throwing it back. Classic. Something really, really new and exciting. Maybe. It's called an inspiration cube. Be inspired anywhere, anytime. Fake news or real news? Real news. Real news? Real news. What do you think, Marky? Uh, yeah, I, I do think that it sounds real. Are you sure? An inspiration cube? It sounds like something people would buy. Just like the, the fidget stuff. People need fidget cubes. Mm. I don't know. 
an inspiration But cube. this one is inspiring. Exactly. It's people, a cube, dude. People are constantly sharing inspirational quotes. How could a cube be real, though? <laughs> what? <laughs> Get an extra metaphysical. <laughs> what is that question? Can God make a cube round? Can he okay, make Dr. Tarek. A cube <laughs> that he can't lift? Yeah. Oh. So you're saying real news, too? Yes. Cool. Hey. Joel Seen. Inspiration Cube. So, usually, I would sit back and begin to read an article or something that helps you understand. But I'm going to actually allow this product to speak for itself. Nice. In today's uncertain times, life can feel overwhelming like and leave you struggling for answers. But you can overcome life's challenges. Wake up every morning inspired and looking forward to each day. Introducing the Inspiration Cube, the easy-to-use portable audio system filled with life-changing messages of hope, guidance, and strength ready for this. from Joel Osteen, one of the world's most inspiring spiritual leaders. Yeah, you right. may feel today like you're trapped. This that is, the is cube not talking. how your story ends. Some dreams are waking up, hope is waking up, abundance is waking up. With nice. a simple push of a button, remove those negative thoughts with a new message to inspire your day. God is saying to you, you have struggled long enough. Unexpected blessings are coming your way. Over 400 of Joel's greatest inspirations ever assembled, all on this easy-to-use audio listening cube. It's all right, I had enough of that. But I thought that was absolutely hysterical. It's hysterical and very sad. An inspiration cube. I'm going to be honest for a second. I'm feeling very inspired. <laughs> I've well, never felt more inspired. If we struggle on this episode, there's no more struggle. Press that button. I'll tell you Here, what. That, hit my shoulder. Hit my shoulder. That Ready? fake news or real news was an unexpected blessing. Mm. Ready for this? Hit my shoulder. You guys rock. <laughs> I love you. Imagine if people turn to the Bible for inspiration. Imagine. Whoa. You know, what if they just went out to eat with their families? You guys are shredding. What do you mean? For inspiration, you know? I don't understand. Or what if they read our blog po post? Post. <laughs> or read our freaking blog post. Bro, I was supposed to... That was my segue into the second headline. Oh. And you ruined it. Oh, whoops. I said, what if they went out to eat with their families? What if they did that? What if they did that? Yeah, what, what do you guys usually order at, um, you go to Arugas sometimes? Sometimes. Or Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah. What do you guys usually order? Um, I'm a burger guy. Burger? G give me a Ooh. burger. Even at Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah. Or steak? I don't know. Steak. Huh? Steak at Buffalo Wild Wings? No, I, I don't really go to Buffalo Wild Dude, Wings. you need Osteen's inspiration cube, bro. <laughs> What's that? Mean? You don't need a steak. You can get um, Can I tell you what I get at Buffalo Wild Wings? I get a large traditional spicy garlic wings with a side of potato wedges with shredded cheese on it. What kind of wings? Traditional spicy oh, garlic. Oh, traditional. Gotcha. Buffalo? See, I get the boneless. Oh, well, that's incorrect. Those aren't wings. That's the incorrect way of ordering. I get the boneless. Those are chicken nuggets. Yep, that's incorrect. Actually, I think you would really agree with this new headline video. Man makes passionate plea to rename boneless chicken wings at a city council meeting. Fake news or real news? <laughs> Did someone videotape me? What's he going to rename them to? Chicken nuggets? You never know. Unless it's fake and there is no video. Yeah, I'm going to say that's real news. 
That's real news. Why go to your town council? You can go to like (laughs) petition.org. Maybe he lives in Buffalo. (laughs) You know? I mean, I do agree with that. They're not wings. All right. But yeah, I think it's real. Hey, so feel free to edit this video for wherever you want to stop it. But let's find out what that guy has to say. Okay. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country. We have been casually ignoring a problem <laughs> that has gotten so out of control. This has to be a troll. Are casu- throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning and treating things as, as though they're normal. I go into nice family <laughs> restaurants and I see this. people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. <laughs> I propose that we as a city... Excuse me, the, I'm talking. Excuse what? me, I'm trying to... Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> this guy's a troll. I propose that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. <laughs> from our hearts. These are our reasons why. <laughs> These are our one, reasons. Hold on. Nothing about boneless chicken wings actually come from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats, but then we go around and pretending as though the breast of the chicken is its wing. We need to raise our children better. Mm. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from a chicken, and it's delicious. It grows on bones. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them... Buffalo style chicken tenders. Mm. We can call them wet tenders. What? We can call them saucy nugs or trash. <laughs> oh we can God. take these trash? steps and show yeah. the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. Hold it down. I, I would like to just comment here. For the record, that's my son. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you allowed him there to begin with. <laughs> Bro, this is so real. What is our world getting into? Joe Osteen with a inspiration cube and a guy who goes to the city council to get the official name of boneless chicken wings changed to well, what? Spicy nubs? Wet nubs. <laughs> I mean, I some of that nubs. you know, finally that someone is standing up for this issue because I've had enough. Enough of this silence, you know. It's I'm surprised Joe you. Osteen didn't have that on his inspiration cube. Yeah, really. <laughs> Boneless wings are not wings. Do I sound like him? All right. Yeah. Yeah. You got that from me. Yeah. Don't play cheap. Can't waste no time sitting back. Get off your feet. It feel like time and rolling. We can go to city on the west side. Yeah, I'm going with the stressing and the best times. I'ma pull it to the beach with the blue skies. Came from the week, yeah, it's a new time. time. Let me take it back. I was sleeping in my class. Yeah, everything done changed in the flash, yeah. I ain't worried about the rolling on the rice, yeah. That's cheap. I'm worth way more. Guys, you know, I had uh I had dinner with my pastor yesterday. Okay. Can you guess what soda he drinks? Fresco. Oh. And he never watched a sermon. Really? And he drinks Fresca. I thought it was hysterical. And I, I made such a big deal out of it. And he really didn't know what I was talking about because he didn't know the sermon I was referencing to. Really? I'm like, I can't believe you drink Fresca. Yeah. Because I don't know anyone that drinks Fresca. Yeah. I don't think I do either. I want my Fresca. It's kind of just like a watered down Sprite, right? 
I don't know. It's I, seltzer, isn't it? Is I don't it know. seltzer? I, I do want to like try it. Soda. I definitely haven't had it in a while. I could have sourced just another brand of seltzer. I don't know. Either way, it's the only holy drink. Mm. Yeah. Uh, John MacArthur made it that way. Thank you, John MacArthur. Shout out. Thank you. To you. Shout out to you, John MacArthur. Yes. You so, thank you for listening. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening. I hope you are, and I hope we get you on the show one day. It would be great. Maybe he is on in season four. Ooh. Ooh. That would be a... But... Spoiler alert. <laughs> right now he's not. He's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. I'm sure it'll happen. I'm not I'm not even going to lie. I'm pretty sure hey, it's going to happen one day. Costy. So. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some people we might get that we didn't even think we had a chance of getting. So, But we're knows? not going to say the name. No, we're not. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. I'll no, I was it. coughing. <laughs> I'm going to bleep that. You don't cough like that? I always cough like that. <laughs> All, right. All right. Are we going to talk about the Bible? Anyway, today we have a really big episode. And as uh, if you've been listening, we've had these unusual episodes where Ryan and I take large parts of the show by ourselves. And that's because we're finally done with the Old Testament. Finally. <laughs> finally. It only took two years. And today is the last episode in the OT. And I'm excited because it is also the last episode of season three. Uh, sort of. Yeah, I said it earlier, it? guys. I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. It's about time we got unhitched from the Old Testament. <laughs> it's about time. Andy, get out of here. Now, welcome here, buddy. Um, yeah, come on, bro. This is well. This is our last book episode, but yeah. we got Dr. Michael Kruger, uh, next week to talk about the canonization of Scripture. Mm. Oh, why? Yeah. Okay. Since yeah. we're done with the Old Testament, uh, he's going to talk about why. The Catholic Bible has some books here in between the New Testament mm-hmm. and the Old Testament, which uh, the, the Protestant Apocrypha. Bible doesn't yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, I it slipped my mind because we recorded him a long time ago. We did. I think we recorded uh, January. Think, yeah, he was one of our first interviews for yeah. this season, which is really cool. The, the first week of January, he he actually said no when we were generally nobodies. He said yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. He said yes. <laughs> we generally but then when we were somebodies, he said yes. He said yes again. There you go. Anyway, today's episode is about a hey guy. Hey guy. No? Yep. Hey guy. Malachi and Zechariah. Not in um, that order. Not in that order. <laughs> but it is those three books. Yes. And we're going to open up this episode by discussing the book of Hey Guy, uh, the title, as we start every show. Can you please? What would you say, Mark? Can you please call it Haggai? Haggai? No. It's it's a H A. It's Haggai. Haggai. I thought it was Ha Gay. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he was prophesying and they wanted to know the next one that was coming. Okay. So here comes the ten minute the setup. End of each prophecy. One of the people of the Israelites would raise their hand and say, Hey, guy! <laughs> hey! What do we do next? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the title comes from. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to say? I've been calling it Hey, guy, my whole life. Yeah, it's Hag Guy. Hag Guy? Yeah, like an old hag and then guy. Ah. Uh, like a hag guy. Hey, hag! Like a hag guy. Yeah. An old lady guy. Yeah, so the hag guy. The title. Came from, you guessed it, his name. So whether you say Hey Guy or Hag Guy, that was his name. 
as do all of the prophet books besides Lamentations, they all come from the author's name. And uh, Haggai's name means festive, which indicates that he was probably born on feast day. That seems like a day that I really want to go to, by the way. Get that coming out of my face! What's feast day? On a feast day, yeah. Uh, the Jewish people had a bunch of different feast days. You put your notifications off? Notifications on silent? I just did now, yeah. Okay. Oh. Just a second. I'm getting some unwarranted dings. Unwarranted. Well, <laughs> dings are always warranted on this show. Mm. Yeah, is that the spirit speaking or your cell phone? Where's the double... St- where, do we have the double ding no, anymore? the double ding has been removed. Ah. I've deemed it unnecessary. It's long All gone. right. Next, we have the author, and the book proclaims that Haggai was the author, so we know that to be true. Then next is the date of writing. Haggai dated each of his prophecies. They were all written in the second year of Darius, which is 520 B.C. in a four-month time span. Um, and, and you'll actually see that while you're reading. He does. The date's clearly written there. You're saying he dated each of his prophecies? Yeah, he took them out on dinners. <laughs> and they were like, hey, guy, well, how does what one, do you want to order today? How does one date a prophecy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They take them out for dinner. All right. All right, next is the <laughs> purpose of the book, or as Ryan likes to say, porpoise. The purpose of Haggai was to confront the Jewish people's misplaced priorities. As we have learned all throughout the Old Testament, the Jewish people's priorities were always messed up. Um, so Haggai was one of them that wanted to confront these people, and they were busy building up and beautifying their own houses while God's temple laid in ruins. So we're going to get into the outline, but that's a general purpose. He told them that they needed to work on God's temple first. And the next is the everyone's favorite part of the show. What is it? To everyone's To everyone's favorite, favorite part of the show. Fun facts. You guys ready for this? Yep. Mm-hmm. Haggai was an old hag when he wrote this. <laughs> he was an old man. Because he was alive to see the destruction of the temple in 587 B.C., about 67 years before he wrote this book. Bruh. Yeah, so that would make him how old? Too old. Yeah, very old. Yeah. That'd make in him the very hag. range. Hmm. Sick. The next is, this is the second shortest book in the Old Testament. Do you know what the first one was, Mark? Obadiah. Yeah. Obadiah to read the next fun fact. And that is... (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) The next is Haggai was the first fully post-exilic prophet to serve Israel. Fully post-exilic. Yes, that is super exciting. And if you don't know what the exile is, we mention it all the time. So please listen to our old episodes, even if they're terrible. We do go over the exile. So we get into the general outline next. And that is what we mentioned before for the general purpose, a call to build the temple. So this book is divided into four parts. There are two chapters in Haggai. Um, and in those two chapters, a lot is covered, but it's still a very, very short read. And this first part of chapter one is divided into three parts, and that's Haggai's first challenge, 
Haggai's second challenge, and then the Israel's response. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, uh, he wanted them, Haggai wanted them to get back to work on the temple. So the general purpose of this book is written as soon as you start reading it. Their crops were in bad shape, but they seemed to never have enough food, drink, or clothes. And Haggai was trying to motivate them to go back and start working on the temple. Uh, the second challenge we see is in verses 7 through 11. And that's when he wanted them to stop worrying about their own houses and start worrying about God's house. Then we have their response in chapter, I mean, in chapter 1, of course, at the end of it, verses 12 through 15. And that, that's when they agreed to start rebuilding the temple. Are we good? Yeah. What's so funny? <laughs> I'm just smiling. I'm just happy. Is that okay? Yeah. You can be happy, but you usually don't smile for no reason. So after they agreed to start rebuilding the temple, we see in the second point of this book, the entry of the second chapter, and that's a promise of future glory for the temple. And that's God will fill the house with glory as he promised he would when they came out of Egypt. Uh, then we have a promise of future blessing, which is the third point of this book. And that's in chapter 2, verses 10 through 19. From that day forward, the Lord was going to bless them. Then we have a prophecy concerning, I never know how to say this name, Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel, I think is what you're Zerubbabel. <laughs> so a prophecy concerning Zerubbabel at the end of chapter 2, which is the end of the book. So the word of the Lord came to Haggai to tell the governor of Judah, Zerubbabel, that God was going to make him like his signet ring. And we know kings used to use signet rings to designate authority, ownership, or honor. And a signet ring contained an emblem unique to the king. And Haggai's prophecy, God is giving Zerubbabel encouragement and hope that he's being chosen for a unique and noble purpose, being given a place of honor and authority. Uh, that pretty much wraps up the entire book of Haggai. Uh, we, we are going to move now into Zechariah, and Ryan is going to cover that one. So just to be clear here, Ryan definitely has way more work to do in this episode. <laughs> Yes, Zechariah is actually a little bit of a longer minor prophet. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to go ahead and jump right on in because it has been quite a long intro to this episode, I would have to say. Where are the turtles? Is that a bad thing? No, it's a good Where thing. Are I love like the slow build-up horror movies. That eventually build up. Anyway. Our, our show is terrifying. Yeah, well, people have been laughing this whole time, so they're more susceptible to learn. Yeah, exactly. They're more susceptible to our tricks. Yes. <laughs> All right, so... teaching. The, yeah. The title of Zechariah comes from the author. The author's name, Zechariah, means Yahweh remembers, or Yahweh remembers. Mm. Right, Nikki? Yeah, right. That's totally not how you say it, though. Yahweh. <laughs> All right. There's still a vowel in what you're saying. No, you realize that? It's Yahweh. It's still a vowel in there. All right. So the <laughs> author of Zechariah, uh, like many of the minor prophets, there's not a lot of debate over the author. 
So we're going to go with the book proclamation of the author, which is Zechariah. The book itself says that Zechariah wrote it. Zechariah was both a priest and a prophet. Next, it is time to go over the date of writing. So similar to Haggai, we know with precision when Zechariah was written because he also dated his prophecies. Ooh. What do you take them? So Zechariah started his prophecies in the eighth month of the second year of Darius the first, which is actually the same time as Haggai, and that was five twenty BC. His last dated prophecy Bro, I heard that chug of seltzer. But he was holding the can above him. Were you? Oh. It sounded like one of those ones where it like hurts your chest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyways, his last dated prophecy, which is chapter 7, verse 1, was written two years later in 518 BC. Chapters 9 through 14 are generally thought to have been written later in his life, and we're not 100% sure when. He was a young man when he started his ministry, according to chapter 2, verse 4. So this was likely written in its, in its entirety between 520 and 480 B.C. Now it is time for the purpose slash porpoise of the book. So the original purpose of this book was to encourage the Jewish post-exilic community to continue to rebuild their temple and faith. There was a coming hope and Messiah that they could look forward to. And then, kind of in the grander scheme of things, we can look back on this book and learn that Jesus is our hope in hard times, as Jesus was the Jewish people's hope Mm. um, when they were desperate. Now it is time for the... fun facts portion of this book the first fun fact is that besides isaiah zechariah is considered to be the most messianic book of the old testament Mm. i was gonna say I, i remember there being a lot of messianic stuff in this book yeah it's all over this book is prophecies about the messiah Mm. second fun fact is that zechariah is consistently called the son of his grandfather so because of that it's likely that his father died as a young man and that zechariah was raised by his grandfather look at you so i thought that was pretty interesting Mm. that was interesting thirdly he's like spider-man According to Matthew, that was his uncle. According to Matthew 23, 35, Zechariah was murdered. And that is how he died. He was murdered. Wait, you said according to what? Matthew 23, 35. It's in the oh, Bible. Okay. It's in the Bible that this dude got slain. In the spirit? Nope. In the flesh. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get into the outline of this book. Like Nick said, this one is a little bit longer, um, but it starts with the introduction. That's in chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And basically here, God starts it off by telling the Jewish people to return to him, and he will in turn return to them. And then following that, we get eight 
Night Visions is what they're called. Sick. And they're accompanying messages. And that's the end of chapter one into chapter six. So we're going to go ahead and go through some of these night visions that Zechariah had. The first one is the horsemen among the myrtle trees. That vision is in verses 711 of chapter one, seven to 11 of chapter one. And basically there was a guy on a red horse hanging out by the myrtle trees and he patrols the earth. That was the vision. And then there are some responses by the angels in verses 12 through 17. And the responses were that God is unhappy with the nations that exiled Israel and that Israel is going to be restored. The next vision is of four horns and four smiths, as in blacksmiths. As in Will Smith? Will Smiths, Smithsonians. Isn't there also visions of horns in Revelation? Yep, and Daniel, hmm. and Matthew, yeah, and these are like the horns of a goat or something, hmm. of a beast. Um, well, it's just four horns. Okay, and actually, what the vision represents is just the nations that oppressed Judah. Four horns and four smiths, as in Will Smiths. Will Smith. Yeah. Chapter two, the surveyor. So basically, in verses 1 through 5, there's a guy that's going to measure the area of Jerusalem. And an angel tells Zechariah to go tell that guy that there will be no bounds to Jerusalem for the amount of people that will be living there. That is the vision. And then there is an oracle given through Zechariah, and that's in verses 6 through 13. And that talks about how anyone that comes against Israel will be destroyed by the Lord. Following that, in chapter 3, we get the cleansing and restoration of Joshua. The symbolic act of the cleansing and restoration is in verses 1 through 5. And basically what was happening here is that Satan was accusing Joshua, and the Lord rebuked Satan for accusing Joshua. Joshua, at the time, was wearing dirty clothes, which we all do once in a while. But the angel told him to take off the dirty clothes and put on clean clothes. And then God promised that he's going to send a, quote, servant to remove all of, quote, Joshua's iniquities in verses 6 through 10. So you can see here, this is a clear prophecy of a Messiah. Now, is this just a random Joshua? Who is Joshua? Well, Joshua was the high priest at the time. Okay. But it is important to note that Joshua is the same name as Jesus. There's, it's the same name, mm-hmm. but it's differentiated in the English Bible. Joshua, a.k.a. Jesus, was a servant, and he is going to be removing iniquities, mm-hmm. also known as sins. All right, and then in chapter 4, we get the vision of the gold lampstand and the two olive trees. Basically, there was some lamps and there were some olive trees, and that's in verses 1 through 5. And then... Um, I love lamps and olives. I love lamp as well. Thanks, Brick. If you guys do not know what I'm talking about, you are fools. I guess I'm a fool. Count me in as a it's fool. It's Anchorman. It's a quote from Anchorman. Well, like one of the most famous quotes from Anchorman. Ah. Uh, Never yeah. saw it. I, I love like, lamp. 
I don't like dumb movies. I love table. I love lamp. All right, following the lamps and the olive trees. In verses 6 through 10, there are two oracles concerning, as Nick says, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. <laughs> While you were away, I helped him. Zerubbabel. Yeah, Zerubbabel. Is there a bubble in here? Yeah. <laughs> Is there a bubble in here? <laughs> Zerubbabel, right? Yeah. Anyways, Zerubbabel will finish building God's house. Okay. <laughs> Is there a bubble? So, and then in verses 11 through 14, we get the interpretation of the lamps and trees vision. And that vision means that there are two anointed ones. And if that is not um, ambiguous enough, let me know. Two anointed ones. Okay, and then this is one of my favorite visions, possibly in the whole Bible. In chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, we have the flying scroll vision. Mm, And basically, there was a flying scroll, and this flying scroll judged people for their sins. (laughs) (laughs) So I wish I had that vision. I remember being so confused when I read that. Yeah. I suppose it could be confusing. And then uh, the next vision is the woman in the basket. And that's verses 5 through 11. And there was a woman who represented sin inside of a basket. And then they took the basket and they built a house around it. So picture this woman, basket, house. (laughs) great vision yeah i'm seeing it this is why i was smiling earlier because the visions are just kind of funny yeah. you know i wish uh anthony was here yeah why are you he, would, he would clear this all up oh yeah he totally would have you know you're gonna talk about the meaning of that vision nope so the next vision is the four chariots that's in chapter six verse one through eight and basically these chariots they went on patrol through the whole earth and that's the vision Following that is the symbolic crowning of Joshua. So they crowned the high priest's son, who was named Joshua, and said that there will be a king who will rebuild God's temple. So then keep in mind, again, Joshua has the same name as Jesus. So they're crowning the high priest who will rebuild God's temple. So there you go. More messianicism. Following that, we got some messages concerning hypocritical fasting, and that's chapters 7 and 8. And um, basically, there was a group from a town called Bethel. Shouts out Bill Johnson. Oh, gosh. No. Shouts that? out Kim's Walkers. No. I'm not shouting out on him. Basically, I hope you're not the, listening. Basically, Don't the, listen to this. I hope they are listening. Oh, that's true. Basically... The group from Bethel asked if they should be doing their traditional fasting. And the Lord rebuked and said that their fasting is not of the Lord. And there was a command for them to repent. Their hearts were hard, and so they must repent. God does not desire a hard heart with going through the motions. He desires a soft heart and going through the motions. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Um. And then following that, there's Israel's restoration to God's favor. It's in chapter 8. 
And then following that is verses 18 through 23. And here is where God says that people from many nations will come to Jerusalem to be around the Jewish people because they have God in their midst. So shout out to premillennialism on that one. Following that, we have some oracles about the Messiah and the future. And that's in chapters 9 to 14. And basically, chapters 9 and 11 introduce us to this portion. And in chapter 9 specifically, it talks about the coming of the true king. And there is actually, in chapter 9, a lot of messianic prophecies here. And it says that a, a king is coming to bring salvation it actually mentions that he will arrive riding on a donkey. Mm. It says that he will speak peace to the nations. And it says that he will set prisoners free. So that's all chapter 9, talking about the coming of the true king. So shouts out to Jesus on that one. Come on, Jewish people. It's right in your book. It's in your book. Read your book. <laughs> chapter 10 of the book of Zechariah talks about the restoration of the people. And it says that God is going to save them and strike down their enemies. Then in chapter 11, it talks about the rejection of the true King. Pay attention for it. Whoa. Pay attention folks. I didn't mean to say for I meant to say <laughs> folks. It says that the sheep will reject God and he will cause division between them. Shouts out Dr. Michael Brown, the Messianic Jewish man. And shouts out to the non-Messianic Jewish What's up with you shouting out people this whole episode? I'm feeling very friendly. Okay. All right. And then in chapters 12 through 14, there is the burden concerning Israel. And uh, this includes both the advent and the acceptance of the Messiah. So chapter 12 talks about how Judah will repent. And I love that in chapter 12, verse 12, it talks about how Judah slash Jerusalem will, quote, look on me whom they have pierced and mourn. Bruh. So they'll be sorrowful for falling away from God. Bruh. And I love how it's looking past Christ's crucifixion. He hadn't even come down. It's looking past it and then looking back on it. Because it says, look on me whom they have pierced. So that's a really cool verse. That is really cool. Looking past the crucifixion of Christ that hadn't happened yet. That's and probably, that got ding moment written all over it. All right. And then in chapter 13, talks about how after they repent for piercing God, he will restore them and wipe out their idols. Shouts out premillennialism. All right, and then lastly, I can't, I can't with you, bro. Chapter 14 talks about the reign of the Messiah, and it describes a kingdom that sort of appears to be a physical Messiah reigning in Jerusalem, and how people from different places of the world will come to Jerusalem to worship him. So, third and final shout out. Good job. To premillennials. No, not shout on anybody. We are going to move on okay. to the book of Malashi. Oh, gosh. Malashi. You don't say Malashi. You know what? I knew you were going to say that. I think that, you? isn't that Apocrypha? No, it's in your Bible, oh. and it's right here. 
and we're covering it right now. Mm. The book of Malachi. No, it's uh, the book of Malachi, and the title comes from the author's name, and Malachi's name means my messenger. Wait, are we talking about Mal? Or Kerr? <laughs> we're talking about Mal? Or Kerr? That's pretty good. Did you have that lined up? Yeah, did you practice no, I didn't. That? <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. You just brought the message. Thank you. You brought the overall message. Thank you. And the that's the name Bible. of that's the meaning of his name. My messenger. And then we have the author in the book, like the others, proclaims that Malachi was the author. Date of writing. Malachi was written after the second temple was built by Ezra's crew in five sixteen BC, with enough time to pass for the priests to become complacent and corrupt. We're gonna talk about those corrupt priests in a moment. Uh oh. The second point I want to make about the date of writing is that Malachi referenced a governor in chapter 1, verse 8, which points to the Persian dominance in Judah when Nehemiah was away revisiting Persia. And we see that described in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 6. This was between 433 and 424 B.C. Hmm. And there's two final points we would like to make about the date of writing. And uh, they are when Nehemiah returned to Judah from Persia in 424 B.C., he came to deal with the sins that Malachi was describing. And then the last, that puts a date of writing most likely during the time that Nehemiah was away in Persia between 433 and 424 B.C. Hmm. So there's a lot of facts there. If you want, rewind it, get your notebooks out, write some stuff down. Uh, you know, it's good to know. And the next is a general purpose <laughs> of the book. And that is that Malachi's original purpose in writing this book was to correct the spiritual leaders of his time. He did a lot of correction all throughout this book. They had grown apathetic, skeptical, and cynical. They didn't believe that God was a future hope, that God had a future hope planned for them. And the book is similar to Zechariah in that we can look at it and see that Jesus is our hope. Mm. So that's a lot of, uh, you know, um, amazing things about these minor prophet books is that they clearly point to Jesus. They do. And I think it's really amazing because a lot of them are short. You know, this one is how many chapters? Uh, I think it's four. Yeah, four chapters. So it's not a big read. And you get to experience the history of Israel, see what they went through, and also be reminded as to how much you need Jesus. So I think it's a great read. And the next part is everyone's favorite part of the show, and that is... Art thou feeling it now, Mr. Kratz? <laughs> Fun facts. And there are only one fun fact. There the are. one and none. There is only one fun fact. And that is, this is God's final prophetic word to his people before making a cameo appearance as Jesus Christ in the flesh. What up, Jesus? What up, Christ? Christ. What up, Christ? Anyway, we dive into the outline. The heading 
one, chapter one, verse one, it's, it's describing the entire book, and that is a prophecy or an oracle, as some other translations put it, of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. And before we dive in, we can say that this book has eight parts to it, and we are going to talk about them right now. So when we open up chapter one, we see that it is divided into part one, part two, and part three. And it starts with the heading that we just discussed, and then it goes into Oracle one and Oracle two. Oracle one tells us how much Yahweh loved Israel, and we see that. In verses 2 through 5, the second oracle is the priest's illicit practices and indifferent attitudes. In chapter 1, verse 6, all the way through chapter 2, verse 9, God doesn't approve of the improper sacrifices, but they still turn their nose up at him and continue to do what they want to do. So oftentimes, we do that to God as well. We know what's wrong, and we know what's accepted by him but we stick our nose up at him as well because we think we know better for our own lives. So just to open up some practical stuff that we can get from it, I think it's a, it's a cool thing to reflect on yourself when you're reading. Um, then we have the priest's sin in chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. So priests are supposed to preserve knowledge of sacred things, and people should seek instruction from them. But instead, what's going on in this book is that they have caused a lot of people to violate the law and corrupted people instead. So this pretty much wraps up the three points of the chapter, which are disrespectful service, disqualified sacrifices, and disdainful attitudes of the priests. We see that in chapter 1, uh, verse 6, all the way to 14. Is this the book where God says, I wish they would just close the doors of the temple? Okay, never mind. And as we continue into chapter 2, we are... No, not yet. And as we end chapter 1 and go into chapter 2, we see the priest's warning in verse 1 through 9. Because of the sins that we just mentioned, God caused them to be belittled and ignored. Then we have the third oracle that's given given to us in chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. The people's mixed marriages and divorces and stuff. Basically, God hates divorce. It's clear as day in this text, and it can be definitely applied to us in modern day. This is not just an Old Testament thing. God still hates divorce. Could you say that he wants us to divorce from divorce? Definitely, and he definitely wants us to divorce sin as well. Uh, Hey, how you doing? I found the verse. Did you? It's Malachi 1.10. There you go. It says, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. There you go, with the the improper sacrifices. It's pretty wild. Yeah. God, he doesn't want the half-baked worship. Definitely not. Half-baked. All right, next we have Oracle 4. We are still in chapter 2, verse 17, into chapter 3, verse 6. The problem of God's justice, as if it's a problem. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He's just attacking me. We see the problem of God's injustice, which is, you know, there's no problem with it, but that's just what the section is called. They seem to have lost their conscience for right and wrong and assume that because God did not intervene, he approved of their sin. Really, their question amounted to a challenge to God's justice. If they were breaking his law and he was just, he surely must punish them. 
So they made excuses for themselves, and they, uh, they wanted to continue in their sin, so they, they just came to the conclusion that God must have been approving of what they were doing instead. Anyway, we go into Oracle 5, and that is chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Uh, the, the people's sin of robbing God. God called his people to return to him with the promise that if they did, he would return to them. As I think Ryan mentioned that, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned that at some point. We see that in Deuteronomy. Um, Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy 4. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then uh, we see it again in chapter 30 yeah. of Deuteronomy. Yeah, you threw me out for a second. I thought you were talking about when I mentioned it in Zechariah. No, but you did mention it. I we did, see yeah. it in there, too. Um, the response of the people, however, was that they did not know how to return. The Mosaic Covenant specified how they were to return by trusting and obeying God. So the question indicated a reluctance to change their ways. And they had withheld tithes. We see that in Leviticus. We see that in Deuteronomy. And they also withheld offerings. And we even see it here that they're, they're offering um, you know, improper offerings. We see that even in the book of Numbers, uh, that the law commanded them to bring to God. And then earlier, the Lord criticized the priests for offering improper sacrifices in chapter 1, uh, as we discussed before, and now he criti- criticized the people for offering an insufficient quantity of sacrifices mm. in verse 10. So uh, just to bring some clarification on that specific oracle of robbing God. Uh, now we're, we're heading towards the end of this book, but we do have one final oracle, that's Oracle 6, the arrogant and the humble. And this is broken up into three parts. So basically the people's arrogance, we see it in chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. They thought they knew better than God and considered it useless to serve him. And then we see the remnant's humility in chapter 3, verses 16. The Lord took notice of the people that respected him. Then we see the coming judgment of Israel in chapter 3, Verses 17 into chapter 4, verse 3. He will make a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Finally, we are at chapter 4, verses 4 and 6. A concluding promise and warning. He will send Elijah before the day of the Lord arrives. He will encourage people to return to him so that God will not come and strike the earth with judgment. Whoa. That pretty much wraps up this entire book. And this entire, this entire book. Oh, book. of the Old Three Testament. Books. Well, yeah, the, the final entire. Old Testament section of the Bible. Oh, man. It's been fun. It's been really fun. I like how the end of Malachi, he talks about sending Elijah before the day of the Lord arrives. And then we've learned in the New Testament that he's talking about John the Baptist. Mm. So it's kind of like a look forward, even though there's... A few hundred years of silence after the Old Testament is kind of looking forward to Jesus' time on earth. Definitely. It's like a teaser of the New Testament. Which is great because we are teasing the Gospels because we are going to get into them very, very soon. We are headed towards the New Testament, and I am excited. We've gone through a lot of changes with Bible Dingers. We've we've, uh, gone through several changes in our ministry, several locations of recording. We have a lot of guest writers of our Weird Verse Wednesday. We have guest mm-hmm. dogs in the room. Yeah, guest dogs in the room. We're really taking that ministry to the next level. We are super active on social media, so make sure you go and check us out. But we also have Patreon. Mm-hmm. 
we are wrapping up with this season, but the ministry does not stop. We still want to supply you with with stuff that helps you get closer to God and encourage you to get deeper into His Word. And believe it or not, we need money for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't want to be those type of people to constantly beg for money and all that stuff. But if you've been enjoying our ministry thus far, we really want to encourage you for as little as $1 a month, or you can give as much as you feel comfortable giving, we would really love for you to be a part of our Patreon family. We have a really cool... Um, chat that we we talk to all of them on instagram and we're really getting to know each other so it's not just you giving us money and then that's it no we're getting to know you we're loving on you and you're getting to know us as well we have some exclusive content on there where you see behind the scenes how exactly we do what we do so we'd really love for you to get a part of that right guys yeah and actually Mm -hmm. uh if you jump up to the ten dollar tier we will FaceTime call you for like 20 minutes and just shoot the breeze with you and talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, and if you actually go to our highest tier, which is really not that expensive compared to all the other people's highest tier that I've seen, you actually get an exclusive personal episode where we'll record whatever topic you want and we'll release it just for you and you can do whatever you want with that episode. You can release it on your social media, share it with your friends, or keep it to yourself. So you can pretend like you know it all like the Bible thing is, right? Mm. Yep, we know it. We all. know it mm-hmm. all. Everything we know. Well, yeah, so just give us a one year notice if you want us to give a you know, exclusive. <laughs> I was gonna episode. say that uh, at this point we know the entire whole old testament. Yeah. Everything. Do you guys feel like you know the old testament better now? I definitely know it better. Yeah. I have to do some brushing up. As I notice in this Old Testament class that I'm taking in seminary, I know nothing. Mm. And even when you think you know, you don't. Mm. And for me, that actually made me love God more because I realized that the Bible takes a lifetime to learn and you still don't know everything. It, it, it totally encourages you to continue seeking after God because if you knew it all, you would have no need for him. Mm. Or you would have no need for his spirit either because a lot has to do with his spirit interceding and revealing himself to you. So I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I think um, uh, I was joking earlier about Andy Stanley. Yeah, yeah. But it, it Old Testament is really super important. Yeah. The New Testament wouldn't make sense. Everything that happens in it is like you know about it because of the stuff that happens in the Old Testament. It's setting up everything that happens. Yeah. So, Old Testament is really rich. Uh, there's so much to it, so much to study. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Good park, good park, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> I love how you parked us right there. <laughs> good and point, you Mark. you just locked the doors and left. Yeah, right? Good park, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's parallel park. Anyway, I just want to say that if you enjoyed our ministry thus far, Please go on social media. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bible Dingers across the board. And while you're there, just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit follow, hit like, but most importantly, ding on. Try Jesus, not me. Cause I throw hands. Try Jesus, please don't try me. Because I'm fine.
I'm late.